the enemy has you bound in conflict, has you paralyzed, then hear me today, you can lay that burden down. Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Uh, This is a wonderful day, and we do applaud all the graduates. Uh, This is a momentous season season for us as well. Uh, My wonderful wife, Janice, and my daughter, Whitney, are here. If they'd stand up. Where'd they go? Oh, there, there. (laughs) In two weeks, on the 15th, Janice and I will celebrate 40 years of marriage. If you're doing the math, she was three and I was five when we married. Um, And then I just discovered, uh, just looking through uh, Facebook the other day, uh, as of today, I declared five years ago that I was associate pastor at Seeds Church. (laughs) Thank you for that applause. I was expecting maybe a standing ovation, but anyway. um, Five years ago, um, Janice and I had taken our family to Christ Church in Nashville in 91, and raised them there, and, and most of my family still attends there. But five years ago, when I was stepping away to, to help launch Seeds Church, I wanted to do it the right way, and I wanted to make sure that I talked to the right people, and it wasn't a surprise, or it wasn't a, a rumor of, of dissent or anything. So it was on May 1st of uh, 2017 that I declared associate pastorship here. I want to preach to you today uh, something for certainly our graduates, but then something I hope that's going to connect with all of our hearts because it has to do with the journey to happiness. We're going to talk about some of the wrong ways to go about that and some of the right ways to go about that. First of all, congratulations again to our graduates. I remember the scariest days of my life were after I had graduated. You know, you walk across the stage, you shake the hand, you get the diploma and, and the the principal says there's nothing in there till you pay that $3.12 to the library, then you can get your diploma. Is that anybody else? But then you come over to this side of the stage, and it was this slow motion. Oh, my goodness. I did that. What am I going to do now? You know, you, you, you reach this summit, and you're standing there, and then you're just like, guys, what are we going to do? I love hearing, and this speaks to our leadership that they have goals and ambitions and and creativity. I love that for our students. But we all have those moments in our life when we just say, am I going to reach my goals and aspirations? Am I going to have success in life? Am I even going to be happy in my life? And it's defining moments like this that we stop and look at that and just ask that primary question, will I find my happiness? So we'll talk about Solomon I don't know if you know the story of Solomon. There's quite an interesting backstory there. Uh, how his parents met and how they dated and then they got married and there, was, uh, there might have been a few complications along the way. Uh, if you don't know that story, look it up. It, it's, uh, it's very interesting reading. But Solomon was destined to have it all. You know, he was, he was born king. He was given extraordinary wisdom. And he was given all that he could possibly want. But we will talk about ways that he did not manage that well. And that will help us to know that these are dead ends in our lives if we're on the road to happiness. First of all, he tried learning. 
Ecclesiastes 1, 16 through 18 says, I said to myself, behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom. My mind has observed the wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my mind to know wisdom and to know insanity and foolishness. I realized that this also is grasping for the wind. Think of that today, grasping for the wind. Because in much wisdom, there is much grief. And increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. In other words, he says, you know, I tried, I tried education, and I'm not at all knocking education today. This is not the point. We want to get all the education I can, that we can. But in and of itself, it is not enough. He tried to get an education in every field. He studied philosophy, theology, science, astrology, pursuits of every form of knowledge that he could find, but he said it did not satisfy his heart. It just left him with more questions. He had knowledge. He could do things that no one else around him could do. There's one translation that says he even could fold the royal fitted sheet. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, because Janice can attest, I have the wisdom to not even try. <laughs> My version would be to wad it up and stick it in a pillowcase and just throw it up into the, uh, the linen closet and shut the door before it fell back down. Uh, but he was a very, very wise man in terms of his book learning. But here's what I've learned. Learning in and of itself is not wisdom, right? right. And then knowledge that you get from learning, that's still not wisdom. And experience, while it's wonderful, is not necessarily wisdom. I know some experienced old guys that are just fools. Now, ladies, don't elbow your husband there. But it is a combination of them. Wisdom comes when we combine learning and knowledge and experience, but especially then with discernment and insights from God. Secondly, Solomon pursued happiness through lust. The second chapter of Ecclesiastes, verse 1. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself, and behold, it too was futility. Verse 10 said, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. This was not wisdom. He said, I'm a king. I have power. Anything I look at, anything I want, I can have. So he tried just laughter and being lighthearted. He tried just being a party animal, but it did not work for him. Then he did something that uh, just took it to the limit one more time. We saw the eagles the other night. Sorry. He took on 700 wives. He went for lust as, as hard as he knew to. 700 wives and 300 paid concubines. Now that's not with you. Bless his pee-picking little heart, right? This is not wisdom. <laughs> Some of you might think that it... You just want to think about that for a minute, but... Um, he had, with 700 wives, everything he said, there were 700 chances he was wrong. <laughs> and any of these dad jokes, there would have been 1,400 eyes rolling while he was telling the dad jokes, right? And this is the big one, and men do not say amen to this. You just need to sit quietly, men. It meant that he had 700 mothers-in-law, too. Nothing about that was wisdom, right? 
But that did not satisfy him. Then he tried excess. Says in verse 3, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. He thought he still had wisdom, but he was deceiving himself. He was actually numbing his mind with the wine. And the reason I chose the word excess is our culture today, we have even more ways, right, that we can numb our minds, not just through alcohol, but, but drugs and, and, and fantasy videos, pornography, all ways that we try to just escape feeling. We try to deaden the emotions, numb the pain, and we found that mental illness, that's the pandemic now, right, after two years. So that did not work for him. So he tried being an alcoholic. He tried labor. And, and then he tried being a, a workaholic after he had been an alcoholic. Verse 9 says, So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. I don't think so. <laughs> there's a huge difference. I, wanna, I don't want to get stopped here too long. But there's a huge difference in multitasking and being overwhelmed. Have you understood that difference? Because for a long, long time, I, I thought I was a good multitasker. And, and I feel like I did that okay. But I reached a point uh, when I was first called to, to uh, pastoral ministry that I was overwhelmed. I was still working full time, being a father, being a husband. Uh, we had a daughter getting married in the fall of 15. And I went back to seminary. And I was trying to handle all of that. And by the way, I had accepted the missions director position at a mega church, our home church at Christ Church. And I was passionate about that. And I felt like I had a vision for it. But what I did not have was capacity to be good at it, to give it the time that it needed. So I remembered it was like a, a week before I was going on a trip, a mission trip with the choir to Norway. And I came to the point I was going to have to, we were flying into Nashville, jet lagged on a Sunday night, and then I had to get in a car and drive down to Lee University and be in a classroom the next two days, day and night. And the wisdom of someone said, that's not going to work. You can't go on this trip. And that's what I needed to hear, and I just, I just gave it to God. So that Sunday night, I met the choir as they came back, welcomed them as missions director and then drove down to Lee University. And on that drive, it was just brutal. I had two and a half hours of just calling out to God. I said, Lord, I, I, I know I'm called to be a pastor now, but I still love missions, and I don't want to let them down. And so when I got to the room there, this precious Bible here, this was my dad's that he had been given, John Maxwell, John Maxwell Bible. He was on the board at, at, at his church, and he was in his late 70s, and he never even opened that book before he died. But it has been a wonderful companion for me. And, you know, we, we have those things where we say, so I just opened the Bible, and wherever it fell, I did that. It was kind of like that. But God literally brought me in that moment to page 787. And John says, have you heard the old saying, if you chase two rabbits, both escape? And right then, that was the peace I needed from God. The Lord said, sometimes you have to back up and let go to do the new thing. 
And they were so gracious in letting me step away from that. And they honored me. So, so when you are given opportunities, yeah, I, you know, I watch Pastor J.D. He multitasks all over the place here on Sunday mornings. Have you noticed? I mean, he's here with the first folks. He's setting up. He leads our, our music and the band so well. And then he makes announcements, and then he preaches. And right before service, someone always comes to him and has five minutes worth to say with, with one minute on that. Um, that's multitasking. And he changes those hats and does it well. But when you can't do it is when you're overwhelmed. And that's the point that I got to. When you are spread too thin and you're just scattered and, and just fried, that's good for hash browns at Waffle House, but that is not a way that we can live. It's just not sustainable. So as you learn to make room, remember we've had that theme here. Um, I had to learn because I was such a people pleaser and I wanted to say yes to everything. I had to learn that you're not saying no to the person. You're not rejecting the person asking. You're saying not right now to that opportunity. And with that, I have learned to have balance. But Solomon did not. He tried jumping all in. In this chapter alone, he had eight goals that he tried to take on. But in the process, he forgot his family. He forgot his spiritual life. And all of his dialogue started with I. He said, I going to build my empire to fulfill my legacy. And he said, and when it's all over, I will have more. I will be greater than all the other kings that have ever lived. So let that be our lesson. He took on too many things with too little time, and ultimately it left him unsatisfied and unfulfilled. Next it says that he tried luxury. Now, you know, I would want to pray, Lord, I would like to try luxury. Please, please tempt me with luxury for a while. Is there like a sign-up sheet for luxury we can do? Lauren, is there a seatschurchtn.com slash luxury that we can go and sign up on that tab? Pastor Bob, can we get a luxury life group going here? You know, they say you can't buy happiness, and I, I agree with that. But it could be a substantial down payment, I, I would think. So here he was, the, the most wealthy man that ever lived. And he was a great patron to the arts. And he tried, he tried just spoiling himself to find satisfaction and fulfillment in his life. Uh, he had a, a full orchestra. That's what I do. And, you know, to think about that, he, he would summon this orchestra to his bedroom to, to play for him while he reclined on his chaise lounger. And so here he is. He's got these 700 wives, probably has two, 200 of them or so fanning him with palm branches, and the other 500, one would step up and give him a grape and go to the back of the line, you know. And with his orchestra, while he is reclining there, he would say to the conductor, Alexa, Maybe Siri, play my favorite songs for me. That's the life, huh? His, his house was so large, it took 14 years to build. And every day, they killed 30 cattle and 70 sheep just to feed his household. Those ladies were hungry. 
And he had an estate that stretched across the entire country. He had vineyards and farms and ranches and countless cattle and sheep. And here's the result of it all, all the excess that he tried to live in. Verses 16 and 17 say, For there's no lasting remembrance of the wise along with the fool, since in the coming days everything will soon be forgotten, and how the wise and the fool alike die. So I hated life, for the work which had been done under the sun was unhappy to me, because everything is futility, and once again, grasping for the wind. He tried everything within his own power, within his own wisdom, and he hated his life. Nothing satisfied his soul. All those were dead ends. So now let's look, instead of dead ends, let's look at a wide open highway that we can find in Christ. I tell you, this... Uh, I didn't talk with Jesse about doing I Speak Jesus, but I love that song, and it pretty much preached this sermon for me. Even the best of humans are human at best. Even the best of humans are human at best. And if you do all you can, you know, if you try to live within your own wisdom, and you're careful, and you're smart, and, and you do good things, and you try to stay out of trouble, and you don't start any sentences with, hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> I thought about Casey Reynolds when I said that. I, I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever said, hey, y'all, watch this? I would think so. But in our, own, in our own strength and our own power and our own wisdom, perhaps you can add some years to your life. But only Jesus can add life to the years that we live. You can't fulfill your joy and your happiness within yourself. And that's the message for today. Let's look at Christ talking to, to us from uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. And we go through the Beatitudes or the blessings. Augustine said, Thou, O Lord, hath made us for thyself, and the hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. How is your heart? When you read that and it says that we are restless until we find our rest in him. Are you restless this morning? Are things good? Are they not good? I'll give you an opportunity at the end of the service to, to consider that more. Pastor J.D., um, in great wisdom and insight, started us on this shaped by the word led by the Spirit uh, sermon series. And he's just done a wonderful job bringing the Word to us each week. It's been so filling. And Pastor Bob, if you remember a few weeks ago, just blessed my heart and, and does most mornings now when I start to pray. Rather than jumping in my wish list, uh, as he taught us to do, to hear the voice of the Spirit, just to start with, good morning, Father. What do you have to say to me? I'm here to hear what you have to say. If you have kids, you may have a bunch of kids, but at three in the morning, if you hear from down the hallway, you're awakened with the sound of, mom, dad, I'm sick. You don't say, that's a child's voice. Wonder who that could be. Even if you have five kids, you know that sound, don't you? Because of that relationship, that love, that intimacy 
that you have. You immediately know his voice. And that's what we're talking about here. This is what Jesus is telling us. We want to be that close. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying to us here is that we are to know his voice. Know him. Know that we do not know him without trusting totally in in who he is and hearing his voice. Hearing that whisper and knowing that that's the spirit. Hearing the caution and knowing that voice as well. Or, Or being tempted and the conviction that comes upon us. Or also just knowing in a grocery store or anywhere you are and suddenly the spirit says, you see that? That person over there, that's why you're here today. I want you to go talk to them. Does that happen to you? He leads us. But we have to realize that, you know, the, in, throughout this, the word blessed also means fulfilled or happy. So on each one of these, I don't know if that's ever been clearly explained to you, because when we say just blessed are the poor in spirit, that's not really easy to understand. But what it means is, How happy or fulfilled are those who realize their need for God? So in this series, Jesus says, these are the keys to fulfillment. Seek to know him and to recognize his voice, first of all. And that goes right along with our our series here of hearing from the Spirit. Secondly, trust God when life is disappointing. Verse 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. John 16, says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you will have peace. He's telling us ahead of time, in this world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. We know before it even comes that it's coming and that he gives us the peace that he has overcome the world. In Ecclesiastes, where we were, It talks about this combination of pleasure and pain, right? Joy and sorrow, difficulty and blessing. That's just life. And if you depend on your circumstance to be 100% happy, just easy sailing, you will never be fulfilled because that's not what brings you joy or fulfillment. It can only come from making Christ the center of your life. And with him, you can be happy in the midst of pain. It's hard for many to believe. You can find joy in the midst of your problems. And you can even find peace in the middle of sorrow. Again, if you are waiting on everything to just get perfect in your life before you feel peace, it's never going to happen. That fulfillment only comes from making Jesus the center of your life. Next, we want to follow God's instruction. This is shaped by the word. Verse 6 of Matthew 5 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The Bible is a series of principles. Now, if you ask the Pharisees of old or the modern-day legalists, they would say, well, they're just cold, hard rules, and you obey the rules, and things go good for you. And you can be perfect like me, or you can choose to not. Uh, But it's just pretty much clean cut. 
And that's just not true. What we have are spiritual principles in the word that help us order our lives. They affect us every day. They will lead us in different ways every day. If we are resolute, if we know what we believe and we stand on these principles, we can have joy and we can have peace no matter the situation. But if you ignore these principles, life is going to be rough. Life will be hard. Next, we cultivate a forgiving heart and maintain a clear conscience. Verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, I could just park here all day. This is my sweet spot. This is what I'm called for, uh, to see God heal and restore broken lives and relationships. That's my calling. And I see people who are letting, still letting somebody from years ago destroy their lives and, and, and there's nothing to do about it, but, but just let the bitterness just eat at them. And they continue to harbor that memory in their heart. And, and there's nothing else that they're choosing to do about it. They're blocking their own happiness. And that's a hard thing to say. But I want you to challenge your heart. Because if you harbor these things and let them hinder your own life, that's what Jesus is talking about here. He said, we have to cultivate a forgiving heart. Sometimes we just have to let that bitterness go, even though it may not be resolved, but just let that go so it won't rob you of your fulfillment and joy. What does it mean to be pure of heart, as he says here? It means to have a clear conscience before God. Now, immediately, Satan said to most of us, you're not worthy of a clear conscience before God. You only deserve to be miserable. Do you have that soundtrack sometimes that plays in your mind of, well, you failed big time yesterday, right? You make so many mistakes and you just, you just blow things. You're just not that good. You make poor choices and bad decisions. You're not worthy of being anything but miserable. But Jesus says we can have a clear conscience. And you can have that today. The answer is to bring it to this altar and leave it there. Long before you were born, God loved you. And Jesus had made the plan and had come and won us back to him on the cross. So today in this place, if you're carrying a load of guilt or a whole bunch of shame that just has you bogged down, please don't leave that way. There is forgiveness here. There's hope here. Uh, guilt and shame are just going to rob you of all your joy and happiness. So don't leave here today carrying that burden anymore. And then he says that he wants us to build healthy relationships. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. There's a word that I really despise, and that word is conflict. But however, I feel like my calling is to enter into conflict and help people find consensus, help them find a resolution. And conflict is everywhere. It destroys our happiness. It destroys marriages. It destroys jobs. It, it splits families. Uh, and conflict in your own soul, if you're carrying that, will destroy your peace as well. 
Do you know people that just thrive in drama and conflict? It's like they're the happiest when they're, when they're causing conflict. I don't care for those people a whole lot. Don't do that. You know, that's about as easy as we can say it. Jesus says, be peacemakers. That war that's going in within you, let it go. Be honest with yourself right now and say, am I my own greatest enemy? Am I my own worst critic? If the enemy has you bound in conflict, has you paralyzed, then hear me today. You can lay that burden down today through Christ. He wants us to be peacemakers. He wants us to be bridge builders. He wants us to cultivate and have healthy relationships within ourselves and with others. That's what being led by the Spirit is, right? This is my last point this morning. Jesus says in verse 10 that he wants us to live with an eternal perspective. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. Now we celebrate our seniors and I want you to go when the service is over and and just uh, celebrate with them. But before we do, I want to take a little bit of time and offer some care from the from the uh, prayer team here. It's not always easy to do the right thing. And I know you've all been there if you've tried to live right. I had a friend years ago that was from Australia and he said over there in New Zealand and Australia they had a phrase called no, no tall poppies. What that meant was you didn't want to stand out. You didn't want to raise the bar that everybody else had to come to. You didn't want to be arrogant enough to say that you're succeeding over others. So it's just that herd mentality of we just all drudge along together and then we'll make it through. There's nothing about that that comes from God. He wants you to rise above, to take the high road. And even though you're going to risk persecution and ridicule, and the devil's going to come to you every day and tell you, do not try to pursue that. And he's probably telling you right now, whatever you do, do not go down there to the front. But I'm going to ask you, if you want to, if you'll close your eyes now, Are you ready to take a bold stand for Jesus? Because the enemy's going to do everything he can to talk you out of coming forward today. But friend, it is worth it. The road to happiness only comes in Christ. He is our hope. He is our joy. And he is our promise. Now, I asked you earlier, how is your heart? Are you at peace? Are you at rest? Or are you, are you restless? And some of you might have thought that that was good that I went on, but I'm coming back to that. Is your heart restless? Do you feel like you're just constantly roaming? Do you lack focus? Are you never satisfied or are you even dissatisfied? Are you always starting a new quest in, in hopes of, of something and, and then it just never really amounts to anything so you start another quest? Do you feel like you just aren't worthy of being happy? 
Are you surrounded with loneliness and pain and emptiness? You know, maybe you've just been running for so long you don't even remember if you're running to something or from something. But you're exhausted. If that is you, you're willing to raise your hand and say, Pastor Russell, I want to lay it at the altar today. Amen. Now, if you would be so bold as to step out and come and let these wonderful prayer partners pray with you. There is deliverance to be had here. There is hope when it seems hopeless. There is peace in the midst of conflict. Everything you need, everything you came that was binding you down, the enemy had you completely paralyzed when you walked in here today. You can leave it at this altar. Jesus is our only hope. He is the only way for us to find joy and fulfillment and happiness. I'm going to pray, and and if you will come, uh, let our altar workers pray with you. uh, And then past that, I will give it to Pastor J.D. uh, to end our service. Oh, Lord God, we, uh, there are so many things to chase in this world. So many promises that will be your fulfillment, your hope, uh, ways to win that have nothing to do with you. Help us to know that, that in you, that soundtrack that the enemy wants to play over and over again, reminding us of things in the past, reminding us of our weaknesses, our less thans. None of that comes from you, Lord. So to anyone here today that is, is struggling, they're exhausted from running, they're tired of doing it on their own, Lord, draw them. Spirit, draw them now. Give them that still, small voice from you that's calling and saying, I have this for you. You can lay it all on this altar and start brand new today. This day, May 1st, 2022, can be the day that you look back on as that was when it all started over. That was my life before that Sunday and now my life after that Sunday. You can have that kind of of cornerstone day to day if you'll just come. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.